So we're live. Another episode of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T Dot. Um, and I'm always joined by Theo. How are you doing? All good, yeah. Um, eventful last 48 hours in the world of football once again. But um, I'm glad the right thing's been done, which we'll cover later. But yeah, I'm good. Sun's still shining, can't complain. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, definitely been an eventful couple of days, obviously, since we last spoke, um, which is Monday, um, which is, yeah, definitely changed the dynamics of football, I think, for for the rest of our living days anyway. Um, I don't think, um, you know, since I've been watching football, I've ever witnessed a, a weekend or, you know, 72 hours of what we had, you know, over those last couple of days. But it's been crazy, which I'm sure, like you say, we'll touch on um, later on today. But um, let's take it back to, um, to, to well, before I do that, as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram from the shed end. Um, all one word, as always, give us a like, a follow, um, let us know your thoughts. And um, yeah, you know, definitely um, just engage with us. That's what we, that's what we want. So um, let's move over to Brighton and the game that we thought, we were going to win. I'm pretty sure I said two or three nil, which uh, was a bit ambitious looking back. But um, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, um, like you, I thought we'd win it comfortably. I thought three um, nil. I think was my prediction. Um, it's quite it's almost like you forgot there was a game happening on Tuesday night after all the events that happened. But there was a game of football, and it, had, it was actually quite an important game in the end, following the news. So um, very disappointing nil nil draw. I thought it was quite a lackluster performance, especially when you compare it to the. City game on uh, on Saturday where we kind of looked up to, up for it. Uh, this seemed like the complete contrary. I think we were almost lucky, if anything, to get a point out of it. Mm. I think Tuchel kind of summed it up perfectly in his post-match interview. He said that the players didn't look physically ready or mentally ready as well. Whether that's the news, you know, um, don't know what was going through the players' heads when they were on the team bus going to Stamford Bridge. So maybe that definitely had an impact on their performance. Um, I thought there was a lack of leadership in the team as well. I think, you know, when you drop Sil- uh, Thiago Silva and Azpilicueta, who are your probably your captain and your vice-captain, there seemed to be no kind of real leadership. You know, when you're going into the last 10 to 20 minutes of that game and you're pushing for that goal, there didn't seem to be that player that, you know, would drive the players up the pitch like Aspi does or give them instructions or guidance, which I thought was really, really best when we you don't have Aspi or Silva on the pitch. And as well, I'm a huge fan of Tuchel, but I did question some of his tactics in this game. I think the last 10 minutes, I was kind of looking at the formation. It wasn't making sense to me. You could see James, I think, was left back. Christensen was right back. No idea what hudson Doyle was playing. He was switching from the left to the right. Mount played as a centre midfielder, which isn't his best position, I feel. Um, he was playing alongside uh, Jorginho. And I think Giroud came on way too late. When you're pushing for that winning goal, you need to bring him in, bring him on earlier. And he's not only a player that can get you a goal, but he's also a really tall player who can defend set pieces. So I thought he should have been introduced at least around the 60th minute mark. Yeah. So, um, yeah, very disappointing nil-nil performance. I was really confident, especially with our record against Brighton, um, the performance against City. But very disappointed. I need to take a point away from it. Um, And that means that the game against West Ham on Saturday, which we'll touch upon later on, is even more important now. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I I completely agree. Um, I do think a lot of the um, the build up to that game, so you know, the the fact that the the player coach uh, the coach wasn't allowed to get into the into the stadium on time, and um, even prior to that, you know, obviously we we played um, 
a bit an important game, obviously, at the weekend before the news broke. So, um, you know, you've got to wonder what was going on in the players' minds prior to that as well, prior to um, the game kicking off on Tuesday. And I think it was just a combination of things. You know, I think, like you say, Tuchel came out and he did say it did impact not just the players, but himself. And I think a lot of a lot of football fans sometimes forget that, that you know, that football players are human beings so they are they're not, they're not robots and, and things will will impact them just like you know the uproar up and down the country from football fans it must be the same for football players who are almost involved in it a lot more than we are so um in terms of the performance I thought it was just a I don't know if it was a game too soon um Excuse me. I think it almost reminded me of Tuchel's first game, um, mm. the Wolves game. It was very had very similar feeling that you know we weren't going to get a goal. We we were just doing everything sort of right um, to an extent. Um, I do think we were quite costly with the ball um, in terms of I think Jorginho at times, and mm. um, I remember Havertz. You know, he had some brilliant chances. Um, there was a good chance for Zuma. I think in the first half, it was a brilliant shot. It just it just needed a deflection, to be honest. It needed someone to um, just to you know give a bit of a touch and deflect it away from the goalkeeper. But in, in terms of the performance, it wasn't it wasn't the Chelsea that we've been watching over the last you know sixteen seventeen games. It was a it was a very a, a poor performance. But you have to remember. I mean, we've we've played some really big games the week before. Um, obviously, the Porto game. And a big game against Man City. So I do think, although there was changes made to the squad, um, you know, that also probably pays a factor into that as well. Um, I just wanted to ask you about your thoughts on Kepa being in goal and retaining the goalkeeper position because he hasn't conceded under Tuchel. Um, You know, I know he hasn't played as many games as Mendy, but he still hasn't conceded, which is obviously a plus for him and, and for the club as well. Yeah, um, in our last episode, when we were talking about the possible lineup and changes, as soon as we ended the episode, I thought to myself, you know what, there's a big chance that Kepa starts this game, um, like he did it for the Newcastle one, following his clean sheet against Barnsley, I think it was, in the FA Cup. So there was going to be a strong chance that um, Tuchel plays him again, following his uh, clean sheet against City at Wembley. So um, I thought he didn't set a foot wrong again. He was great. He, he looks a lot more confident now, quite a lot more dominant in the penalty box, catching balls comfortably, not spilling, um, you know, easy shots like maybe he was doing towards the back end of last season. So um, I think it was the right um, decision from Tuchel. You know, when you've got a keeper that's just come 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 off the back end of a clean sheet and he's full of confidence, you do play him again. And as you said, I think it's five clean sheets in his five appearances under Tuchel. I think Barnsley, Newcastle, Sheffield, City, and now um, Brighton. So um, I think I'm happy to see this because I think he looks like he looks like he's enjoying his football as well, which is a good sign. Like you can see from his social media, um, kind of you know how he's dealing with his social media. I think he's there was a period where he wasn't allowing people to interact with his tweets, I think, or reply yeah. to his tweets. Whereas now he is. Um, so I think he's a lot more happy now to kind of you know accept criticism, but also you know be willing to put in those performances that are you know will not really force criticism from the fans. So. Uh, if he starts again in our next performance uh, game at the London Stadium against West Ham, I'd be happy. I think he's a great keeper. He looks happy. He looks uh, confident. And I think he's the right keeper to challenge Mendy for that um, that uh, felt that um, started um, spot in the starting eleven. So, yeah, oh, I agree. Um, I just wanted to ask as well because obviously we lost, we dropped. It feels like a defeat to say lost, but we drew the game. Um, <laughs> 
do you feel that was a, you know obviously a good opportunity for us to to you know get into the I think we would have gone third if we'd won the game so um what would you know what would you've done differently I suppose in terms of like you mentioned around Giroud probably coming on a bit earlier but um do, you know do you just put it down to overall fatigue and the fact that there was ongoing issues away from the pitch and the the team do you put it just down to that or a mentality thing for the players Definitely fatigue. You could see that the, the players weren't playing like they did against City, like they did at Selhurst Park a week or two ago. So I think you can put it down to fatigue. There are always going to be those performances where you don't fully show up, where you're not 100% there, like at Ellen Road, where we drew 0-0 with Leeds, the game against Wolves that, which, um, that you spoke about, the 0-0 at Stamford Bridge, possibly even the kind of dull draw that we had against Southampton where we should have won, seeing Southampton's form. So I think there's always going to be these results. But again, if you really want to be challenging for a top four um, spot, these are the type of games that you should be winning and you should be winning quite comfortably. Um, I think tactically, definitely, you know, you look at Havertz, he hasn't been free scoring a season. Werner Eva, Pulisic's slowly starting to find some form, but it's that's when you really need a, a real prolific goal scorer in front of goal. Giroud's proven that he can do that, maybe a bit less than the Tuchel, but, you know, around the Christmas period, he was scoring a lot, getting us some valuable points. So um, I would have brought him on earlier. I, I mentioned maybe around the 60th minute mark. But I think fatigue, it really looked like fatigue and the players weren't mentally there as well. So yeah. I think that's it, kind of the, the things you can pinpoint that maybe indicated, you know, we want, we want you know, playing to our full potential. But I'm expecting um, a huge change around in uh, the game on Saturday. Um, I think, you know, we've had more time to rest now. We've realised we've dropped two points there. Now it's time to you know get those three points in a, against the team that you know if they they take points from us, they can easily overtake. I mean, they will overtake us, and they will maybe even clinch that top four spot. So there's a lot to play for on Saturday. Yeah, and I know I know we've mentioned um, the European Super League a few times already um, during this episode. So just wanted to get your thoughts really um, on the events. Really, I suppose when we spoke on Monday. Um, so much has happened. I'm just trying to make sure I get this right. So I think on Monday we were still we were still in the European Super League. Um, I think we'd already made the announcement. I think the Sunday eve, well, Sunday late Sunday night, um, that we we were going to be entering into it. What's your thoughts? Obviously, now that upon reflection, we've had a bit of time to to digest what's happened, and um, you know, obviously, there's fans that are angry at the club. There's fans that are just angry at. Um, you know, the boards, the hierarchy, but what's your thoughts overall on, on the whole situation? I thought on, when the news came out on Sunday and when we recorded uh, episode five on, um, on Monday, I was disgusted. I was disappointed in the club. I was disappointed in the, what football was looking like it was going to become. Mm. Um, I kind of went to a bit of a rant in that episode, but um, following what happened on Tuesday afternoon and Tuesday evening, I feel a lot more proud particularly of the fan base more than the way the clubs manage, but the fan base of how they've reacted, the fans across the world of football, how the smaller, um, when I say smaller clubs, it's those clubs outside, maybe the traditional big six or the richer clubs in the Premier League, how they've reacted as well in the statements that they've released. Yep. Um, but yeah, very proud of the fan base because um, it really shows that, you know, fans are valued, especially by clubs like Chelsea, when they see that the repercussions that it has on them and how they gathered in, you know, I don't know how many they were that went around Stamford Bridge, maybe 200, 300, maybe more, I think. But a lot of fans showed up and I was really happy scenes. You know, obviously the scenes of jubilation when they kind of, you know, when the news was announced that we were pulling out of the Super League or we were, you know, going to proceed with the, the paperwork to withdraw. 
it almost seemed like we were celebrating a goal or a trophy. So it's yeah. almost like it's a victory for football, it felt. And I was also quite happy to hear, I'm not happy, I'm still disgusted by how Chelsea kind of, you know, signed up to this tournament. But there were also rumours that we were one of the clubs that wasn't too keen on joining, but we kind of, along with Man City, I think, but we were scared to be left out. And that yeah. was the main reason why we joined. So, you know, that kind of says, you know, Maybe, you know, we weren't too keen on the idea. I can't see Abramovich being too keen on the idea myself, nor the Czech, but I think it was more maybe a Bruce Buck kind of decision. So, um, but yeah, it's um, it's a weird one. I think it's, a, I say it's a victory for football. All six um, club English clubs have withdrawn from the Super League now, but it's, I don't think this is the end. I don't think it's the end. I think there's there's talks now of an English Super League with some Scottish teams. Um, there's talks, of, I mean, it's not talks, but it's official now. I think 2024 is going to be a new Champions League format, mm. going from 32 teams to 36 teams, with each team playing a minimum of 10 games. So there's definitely going to be changes to football. So I don't think this is the end, but it, yeah. for now, at least, I feel like we've kept some kind of tradition and we've let the fans speak and the fans' voice has been really valued and really powerful. So definitely on Tuesday night, I felt proud to be a Chelsea fan. Let's put it like that. Yeah, and I, I sort of think... Um... You know, there's always been talk of um, a combination of things. You know, I think a lot of the time it's normally to do with Rangers or Celtic joining the, the Premier League, which just doesn't make sense to me. But that's a, another conversation for another day. Um, it does seem like we were the club that were very reluctant to sign up alongside City, which I've heard, you know, from various different sources and outlets that we, we were... Um, late to the party you know we didn't really on we didn't really have a um a seat at the table from the very start which which would make sense to me to an extent because i do feel like um you know not necessarily for the fact that we i don't know if, i don't know I, I mean it doesn't seem like it, it does seem like the american owners i was trying not to say that but it does seem like the american <laughs> owners um were steering this a lot you know they were the ones that were orchestrating a lot of it and um, you can even almost sense that it was to build a franchise and to make it more commercial financially for for whatever reason. But um, it just does go against everything. You know, I mentioned it on the last episode that we had the the Forbes interview with Roman Abramovich, and it just goes against everything that he believes in. You know, I know he's developed uh, Chelsea Village. You know a lot you know um under the bridge i think is still there is that still the venue that's yeah, yeah. that's linked there as well and i know he's he's attended you know nights there himself so it did go against a lot of what roman abramovich is trying to make or has made chelsea chelsea football club um so it didn't make sense to me but i do understand you know if there's you know five different clubs who are going to go and make multi million pound deals mm -hmm. it obviously financially it would make sense for Chelsea to join that um I do believe Bruce I mean I, again I've been reading quite a lot into it but I do believe Bruce Bruce Brook from a Chelsea perspective was the the sort of head of mm. this deal and trying to get it over the line it you know there's talks of obviously again in the press and other uh, media outlets that there's um been talks with the other Premier League clubs around having the uh chief executives from the six clubs to resign do you think that's the right thing to do and that's how we can move on from from this fiasco i mean we've definitely seen some of the some of those figures of power being dethroned recently like of ed woodward in italy i think it um Agnelli, uh, resigned in italy um i i don't know i think it, there's a lot of you know manu and liverpool their owners aren't particularly liked mm. 
But um, as you said, I think it's these kind of American owners trying to kind of turn these football clubs into franchises, if anything. And I, I wouldn't want to kind of, I think as, you, as we spoke about, Abramovich, I think above all, is a fan of Chelsea. He's not just a, someone pumping money into the club. He's a fan of the club. He wants us to succeed. Yeah. He celebrates trophies like, you know, any fan would celebrate trophies. And when he saw maybe the backlash and the repercussions that the fans kind of, you know, demonstrated, I think he was probably the first one to pull the plug. But um, I think Sergio Perez is the main kind of one that kind of, you know, wanted this done. And I was reading an interview of him this morning. He's, to put it quite blunt, he's deluded. He's deluded. <laughs> he, he, he was saying that only 40 fans showed up to the Chelsea protest. I just read that then, literally. Yeah. Yeah. He, which was not the case at all. He was saying that only no one between the ages of 16 and 24 watch football anymore, which is, to, all you have to do is look at the people that turned up to the protests at Stamford Bridge. And I yeah. think the kind of age demographic there was about, the average age was around 20 or so. Um, he was comparing, you know, pe- saying that if you're a tennis fan, you won't watch um, Nadal against a smaller player, but you'll watch Nadal against Federer. And that's why people would watch the European Super League. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's all of this talk, I think, you know, saying, you know, wanting, I think because he's, Ramon Jr. have suffered a lot as a club for um, during the last two years of COVID and the lockdowns and not having fans and obviously pumping a lot of money into their new stadium. So I think the main reason he wanted to go ahead with it was to get me to sign either Palin or Mbappe. Yeah. So I don't think he can afford them right now. That's what kind of people were saying on, on Twitter and I was reading articles. So I think he's the main kind of, you know, villain in this, let's put it like that. And, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, and a lot of talk now wanting him to resign. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have friends who are Real Madrid fans or what their, their thoughts are on it um, with um, Sergio Perez. But um, I think from the kind of, you know, the, the other, the football world, he's the, he's the villain the ones that they feel is responsible for this, the ones who, the one who kind of, you know, orchestrated it. So, so yeah, if people like him can resign, then that would be a kind of, you know, a, st- a stepping stone. Yeah, I think it would be progress. I think it would be a huge, another victory for the football, football world as well. Yeah. And I think as well, um, you know, a lot of the, the fans that I've been speaking to, they have to remember, and we, they've, they've, they've reiterated it as well, that we don't support, you know, the board, the board will change over the course of time. It has done before, before our generation. And I'm sure it will do beyond our generation as well. I think what we, what we do is support the club itself as a club, you know, um, players move on, managers move on. But the ultimate thing is that we always support the club. And um, like yourself, you know, I was, like I said on the other episode, I, I, you know, I couldn't sleep Sunday night. I was awake probably at least until one o'clock um, in the morning, just reading and just, just disgusted, I think. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure I wasn't alone in that. Um, it's strange to see that I think it's only, um, is it only that it's, is it Barcelona and Real Madrid that are still left in the Euro, uh, the, the Super League? I don't, I don't Barcelona, Real Madrid, I think Juventus maybe. I think they've come out now. I think oh, okay. the, Yeah, so I think it's just the two Spanish uh, mm. giants who, for, for obvious reasons, would love a European Super League. You know, they're, they're not they're, they're a bit strapped for cash. So I'm sure they'd love, mm. you know, they'd love to have that. But do you ever think that Chelsea fans will... <clears throat> excuse me, we'll ever get over this. There'll, there'll never be a moment where it's just, a, you know, do you remember that day when, that weekend when, you know, we, we nearly went into a Super League? Does, will it get like that? Or do you think there'll always be that kind of backlash now? And and that go, I guess that goes for all the six clubs as well. I mean, 
I think it was a very historic and revolutionary date. Um, I think it's the type of event that I'll talk to my grandkids about, you know, you know, the yeah. time the, the Chelsea, the, the fans kind of protested and the fans were heard and, you know, change happened. But at the same time, as I said as well, I think there's still a possibility that some kind of tournament like this is still organized in the, in the near future. I don't think it's the, the end of, the, of this. I don't think the fans have fully forgiven the board. Like, you know, I think Chelsea were quite lucky with, with how we, we treat our kind of senior management, you know, the, the figures of power in our club. I think Abramovich has particularly liked Marino as well and Bruce Buck, you know, until the, until this moment, I never really had any kind of, you know, uh, arguments to why he wasn't liked. But, um, but I think other clubs particularly, I don't think, I think this is just, you know, the beginning of how they're going to react to their, their chairman, their, their, their kind of, you know, their owners. So... But yeah, I don't think, I think we'll forgive, you know, I think when fans are allowed back into the stadium, I think, you know, we saw the kind of the songs that they were singing at the protest. It was nothing malicious. It was, you know, f- super Frankie Lampard songs, Fabregas' magic, yeah. which is nice to hear, you know, it's quite, you know, a peaceful protest, no, not violent, but just almost, you know, showing, you know, we, we're Chelsea, we love our club. We won't stop loving our club, yeah. but you've got to kind of, you know, respect us. You've got to kind of, you know, listen to us and but I think as Chelsea fans, I think we we forgive quite easily. So, um, so yeah, I wouldn't, I don't think there's any kind of, you know, negative feelings anymore, I'd hope. Yeah. And I think that was a key thing that you mentioned around the fact that the protest was just that. It wasn't, you know, I'm pretty sure, um, and I know I said this to you offline, that, you know, hopefully it doesn't get to the point where it becomes a protest with other motives and um, reasons to be out and about, you know, especially during... Um, you know, these kind of pandemic moments that we're having, but it was from what I got to see, you know, got to see a few videos and pictures and it just looked like a coming together of fans who actually want the right resolution, um, which happens eventually. And, you know, I think there was a moment where the news was filtering through, you know, mm. the, the crowds of people. And it's almost, like you say, it was almost like, um, you know, Box Park, that sort of, um, <laughs> that moment where it's like a bit of a, a moment in um it was the World Cup, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. the box park and everyone's just throwing stuff around in like euphoric moments. So it was good to see, you know, and I think we um, you know, hopefully that is the the back end of it now. I'm pretty sure it'll be a talking point for, you know, the rest of this season. But I think once the Euros kicks in, hopefully that is the end of it and we can we can move on from that. But what a weekend. What what a strange <laughs> weekend. It just didn't Yeah. There was a part where I thought um the Chelsea Real Madrid clash would be pointless. Yeah. So you know now there's a bit of significance behind that game. It's it's a nice two weeks to look forward to as a Chelsea fan as well. Yeah, and again, good good point you've mentioned because I think there is still a meeting going ahead tomorrow mm. with a decision to to see what happens to the clubs that are still in the Champions League semi final. And if I'm not mistaken, um, bar PSG, I think. Mm. It's, all the other three clubs, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. yeah, It'd be interesting to see what comes out of that. If I'm honest, I can't really see at this late stage that they're going to kick the clubs out, you know, um, for financial reasons, contractual reasons as well. um, Sponsorship reasons. You Mm. know, there'd be a lot of, um, yeah, I think it might maybe just hefty fines. I think that's what the the roads that I can see going down will just be that there'll be loads of fines being dished out for to these clubs. Um bit of a smack on the wrist moment and it'll just have to be um brushed under the carpet. I think there's too much at stake to to kick any of these clubs out. Um 
yeah so it'll be interesting to see hopefully it doesn't come to that but like you say you know two weeks time we could be we could be talking about Chelsea as well in a couple of weeks time not two but we could be talking about Chelsea as um you know Champions League finalists again which you know I wouldn't turn my nose up but you know be a brilliant achievement I think this season for us um so yeah hopefully that's good riddance to European Super League we don't have to think about that again and it was a silly mistake and we can move on hopefully um big game coming up on Saturday must win game feels like a final in itself actually <laughs> when I was looking <laughs> when I was looking at the um the remaining fixtures this is probably one of our games that we really do have to win um we can't afford to not beat West Ham um what's your thoughts on the game going into it after Tuesday as you said it's a must win it really is a must win um West Ham they've been kind of going through this you know great, they've had a great season particularly since January um I think Jesse Lingard coming in has been great for them he's been you know he's found his form again he's scoring um, I'm not sure if did he come off injured against Newcastle I'm trying to think uh, I think he had a knock I think he had a bit yeah, of a knock. yeah whether he's recovered from that um but I think um it's, just, it's been a funny season as a Chelsea fan because as soon as you gain a bit of confidence, you know, you get a result that just knocks you down a bit. So like the the, the nil-nil against Brighton, um, like the nil-nil of Leeds, like the 1-1 one, one of Southampton. I mean, he's sort of kind of recent fixtures under Tuchel at least. But um, I think what we have seen under Tuchel is that in these big games, we do perform. Akito's, you know, it's Champions League first legs like against Atletico where we kind of kept that clean sheet away from home. Porto 2-0 as well. We beat Spurs, Liverpool away from home and kept clean sheets. So if we treat this game like one of those big games, which it is in the end, it is, you know, as you said, it could be a final in itself, you know, it feels like a final. Then I think, you know, if the Chelsea players treat it that way and, you know, they go into it thinking, you know, three points or nothing, then I really think we should be winning and we should be winning, you know, with kind of a dominant, comfortable performance like we have and, you know, we're used to as Chelsea fans. You know, when you're kind of going into a, a season wanting to challenge for the league, these are the games where you want to win. You win comfortably. So, but I don't think our record's great. Um, West Ham away. I don't think we've won there since 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it's going to be quite. It's going to be a tricky game. I think their centre back Craig Dawson got sent off against Newcastle, so he'll be suspended. He's been quite good um, on loan from Watford this season. Mm-hmm. I think we'll rotate our squad again. I think um, as much as I'd like to see, I always say this every week, but as much as I'd like to see Havertz as as a, as a false nine, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think this is the perfect game for, for Giroud. I keep saying I want to see Giroud start, but I really think this is the perfect game. Um, West Ham with some really tall centre-backs in Diop and Ogbonna. So I think Giroud would be perfect. You know, We saw him when he came on against Brighton. You know, He had that one chance where it was just cut to him and he just tried to shoot it, I think, on his left foot and just missed the, the goal. Yeah. So it's going to be a very difficult game. Um, but um, as you said, it could be like, it could be make or break for our chances of making top four. So I, I, I really hope we win. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah, no, and I think um, it'll be interesting because I think Liverpool play half 12 Saturday as mm. well. So I think they're on 53 points. So a win I think they've got Newcastle so that's another big game but I'm pretty mm. sure you know current form kind of tells you that Liverpool should win that game um, so we'll know by half five what we're dealing with you know you know Liverpool will leapfrog us um, if, if we don't win so we need to we need to focus on this game now treat it like a cup final it'd be interesting I, I think like yourself 
you know, it, it's not looking like Tammy Abraham's in, in Tuchel's plans. So you got to look at maybe Olivier Giroud. Um, I, I just, I, I say that again, like you, you know, I say this every single week, but I don't want to see too much tinkering to a side mm. that is playing really well. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think playing like a, you know, bringing on a, a Callum Hudson or Doyne and putting Reese James left back is going to work against the West Ham. I think it's um, a backward step. We, we really need to be on the, the front foot with this game, very similar to the City game. Um, you know, we've got to, we've got to play with, with conviction and we've got to take our chances, which is what we didn't do against Brighton. You know, we had enough chances to score. Um, we played well in spells, but we just weren't good enough. And I think West Ham will punish us. You know, Brighton, I said as well, Brighton, you know, to get their chances, they just don't take them. The problem with West Ham is they actually do take them. So we've got to, you know, we've got to be clinical. We really do have to be clinical. Now, I think you're right. I think we've we've not got the best record at West Ham. I'm sure they beat us 3-2 uh, yeah. last season in this uh, reverse fixture last season. Um, I'm pretty sure it was 3-2. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've got to, we've got to, go in there with with the the intention of playing the best football that we can we can't really afford to miss out on top four this season so um you know i know we're in the semi-finals of the champions league but that that doesn't guarantee you champions league football so we've got to focus on um getting a good start playing the right football um i'd ask you a question would you play billy gilmore in a game where because i mean he's he's someone that i think would would do really well against a team like West Ham. Yeah, I mean, Billy Gilmore, I've said in the previous episodes, he's proven that he can play against these big clubs or, you know, at the top the top level of uh, English football. I I think if he does play, he'll do an amazing job. But um, I think Kante got, was rested against Brighton, so I wouldn't be surprised as well if Tuchel just slots Kante back into the team alongside Jorginho because Jorginho is... It's fair to say, I think he's been two, um, the best player since Tuchel's taken charge, or one of the best players at least. So it'd be a very, you know, unless he's really focusing on that. Um, I think is it is Real Madrid the following week? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so maybe maybe he's got that in the back of his mind as well. So he could potentially rest Jorginho for that. So so Gilly, Billy Gilmore should be in his thinking for this game. Um, I think, and as I said, if he does start, I'm confident he could do a good job. Yeah. Yeah, what what are we going to go for? Um, I don't. What are we going to do for, for the uh, predictions? Because I think we, uh, I was doing all right a few weeks ago, but I've sort of hit a, a wall at the moment. So I'll let you go first. I've been confident since kind of with these predictions since we've um, we've we've been guessing, but um, I'm going to be a bit pessimistic this time and say one one. I think it's going to be one one. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd be, it'd be a big big win. But uh, if we do get the three points, then it'll feel even better. So. Yeah, I'm going to go for two one. I do think I do think West Ham have got enough in in the uh, in the team to trouble us and to score as well. So, um, but I, I do think we you know we know what's at stake. We know what we've got to get out of this game. And if Tuchel has, which he has done in the past, you know he's been able to get the best out of the team, even when we haven't really been playing our best football. Um, I do think he's got it in him to to get this team playing right on Saturday he's got to he's got no he's got no other other um you know excuse not to you know we played poor against Brighton but we played really well against Porto and City the week before we've not been playing bad under Tuchel at all you know we've had blips apart from the West Brom game um and obviously the Wolves game um you know there's the ones that really stick out for me but 
we've got to beat West Ham. You know, we really do have to beat them. Um, it'll be interesting if he does start Havertz. Um, my, my gut tells me he's probably going to put Werner in that position. Um, maybe with Giroud coming on at some point, but it just, it just for me, keep the defence as it as it was beforehand. Maybe put Ben Chilwell back at uh, the, the left wing back position. Um, the, the, the three centre backs I'd, I'd keep as as is. I wouldn't start Kepper, um, mm. albeit he's had some really good games under Tuchel. I'd put Mendy back in goal, and mm. I think he'll do that. I think he'll put Mendy back in goal. I'd be surprised if he if he suddenly drops Mendy um, and, and sticks with Kepper for the remaining part of the season because it just wouldn't really make sense to me, but we'll have to see. Um, so I'm going to go 2-1. Uh, Chelsea, obviously, not West Ham. And yeah, we'll have to see. Half five, Saturday, make or break the weekend. I hate, I hate Saturday games. Oh, I hate it too, yeah. yeah, because it can ruin ruins, yeah. well, ruins your Saturday evening. It ruins your Saturday evening well. and it ruins my Sunday <laughs> and normally my Monday morning as well. Mm. It takes a while to get out of the system. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting, interesting, interesting game. Um, I just wanted to talk to you about some of the uh, memorable games that we we kind of, uh, I say games, but I've got one that I, I want to talk about, but I wanted to get your your views first of, of what you thought as a memorable game as a Chelsea fan. I mean, I've been really fortunate to, to have been to many Chelsea games at Stamford Bridge and also away from home. My bedroom's just over there and it's literally covered, the walls are plastered with Chelsea tickets yeah. from all the games I've been to. Um, but it's always going to be, you know, a couple of games that you know, stand out for me. Um, to kind of going from like that emotional level, you know, that there's emotional games. You could say there's, there's last games of the season against Sunderland, the farewells of Didier Drogba, yeah. John Terry. And I was quite emotional as a Chelsea fan being at Stamford Bridge and when they gave their speeches at full time. As well, when Fabregas came off as um, against Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup and he was in tears. Yeah. This was his last game in English football. I was really emotional as a Chelsea fan. Um, on a personal level, just some European away matches I've been to, even though we didn't get the results against Barcelona. I've been to the New Camp, which is an amazing experience. I've been to Mestalla and Valencia. I've been to the Stadio Olimpico in Rome. And I've been to the Parc des Princes in Paris. Uh, we never won actually any of those games. It was, either, <laughs> it was draws or, or defeats. Yeah. But um, just the experience of being abroad with the Chelsea fans was amazing. So that was really memorable from, on a personal level. But there's always going to be some games that stand out. I think those European comebacks, the one against Ajax last season was amazing. Yeah. Um, PSG lost the first leg 3-1, came back uh, second leg 2-0, I think, uh, at Stamford Bridge, Denver Bar scoring that with uh, the goal. That uh, was one of the moments I probably celebrated the goal the most in my life. A lot of my friends are PSG fans, so um, <laughs> yeah, fr- French, French, uh, French friends of mine are PSG fans. So it just felt like there was a bit of a rivalry. So going, you know, the next day going to school and just bantering them after yeah, that yeah. game was amazing. But um, the, the, I think my favorite ever game or most memorable game that I've been that I've watched live was probably the comeback against Napoli. Yeah. Um, I think you know it was a kind of a defining moment in our season. We we played the first leg in Naples with Filas Boas as our manager. A couple of weeks, weeks later, after a poor result against West Brom, he was sacked. Uh, Di Matteo comes in, you know, second leg in the Champions League, 3-1 down. Uh, you know, I think he brings all those experienced players back into the team. Terry, Lampard, Drogba, Ivanovic, players that were maybe dropped under Vilas Boas. Yeah. And you could just tell, you know, there's a 
they were playing because they loved the club. They and the, the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge that day was electric. I think that was at it the Branislav um, Ivanovic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, was it was yeah three one extra time. I think Drogba, Terry, and Lampard all scored in, in a normal time. Take it yeah. to extra, and Ivanovic scores to make it four yeah. one. Uh, just being yeah. at Stamford Bridge that day, it's just it felt special. It was felt like you know we might salvage something from this season because it was a very poor season before then. Um, we did it, yeah. We won the Champions League that, that season yeah. and they felt like we were building on some momentum as well. And yeah, just an amazing match to be. Um, and I wrote an article, actually, I'll share it on the Twitter page after about my experience at that game. But um, I think Bob Marley's song and uh, Three, Little, Three Little Birds came on, I think, right before extra time. And it just felt like, you know, all the pains that, you know, of the... Champions League final again in Four Moscow hands, uh, 2008 yeah. were just forgotten all of a sudden and you know it was, we were focusing on this moment I don't know 41,000 fans in Stamford Bridge were going to you know be behind Chelsea for the next 30 minutes of football and it just felt special it felt like a really memorable moment and okay. I think one of the type of games that I'll you know I'll go on to talk about for a long time to my future kids my grandsons <laughs> so um so yeah really proud of it back especially my memorable game yeah. What about for yourself? Um, well, I've got a few. Um, just going back to that game though, Napoli, I'm sure one mm. matter got the away goal, didn't he? Yeah. Like in the first leg. So I do, I vaguely remember the first leg. Yeah. I can't remember how much I was drinking at that point, but it was really <laughs> a lot. But, um, but yeah, I think my, my biggest one um, was the 4-4 Stamford Bridge against Liverpool. Mm. Uh, 2009, I think that was. Um, I'm pretty sure we were... Yeah, I think we were 3-1 up in the first leg and um, we just had a moment at Stamford Bridge as we have done many a times before, um, let Liverpool back into the game. But I'm pretty, pretty sure it was Frank Lampard that scored mm. the winner. Um, I think we, I think, it, I can't remember what it ended on aggregate. I'm sure it was like 7, well, I can't yeah. remember, it was like 7-2, I think, or something like that, 7-5. Alex scoring a Thunderbolt free kick. Yeah, that was that, that was the game. Yeah, I think... Um, I think mm. Lucas and Dirk Kite scored as well. It was a mm. it's a weird game, but it was a, it was probably one of the most entertaining. And I think as well, um, I think I I think I was very much into going into Liver up to Liverpool at that point as well. And I'm pretty sure I watched the Liverpool that game in Liverpool. <laughs> so it was as you can imagine. I'm I'm like wearing a Chelsea shirt. The only Chelsea fan really that was there um, didn't go down well. <laughs> but um but that was a good game. Um I enjoyed the um the Bolton game. There was a 2-0 mm-hmm. Bolton game. Um that was um the well obviously Jose Mourinho was manager. He was a uh, that was a good game for us as well, um at the Reebok. Um really good ground, you know, really good stadium. Um so yeah, I enjoyed that game as well. I think Lampard got the two goals that day yeah. as well. So yeah. um, you know, it was a it was a good game for us there. Um Obviously, the two-two Barcelona New Camp. Um, yeah, it doesn't even need any words, does it? Really, it was. Um, I don't know. It was such a surreal moment. I remember waking up the next day and it feeling surreal. Not like mm. it, it was the same happens at the um, the final. I remember the next day waking up and having to actually check my phone to to make sure it, it <laughs> happened and it was it wasn't a dream because we'd been so close to it. So many, well, you know, been so close to it before. Um, like you mentioned in Moscow as well, and then just not being able to to see it through. But then that moment, you know, um, that season, like you mentioned as well with with um, Di Matteo. But I remember 
I think that was a game with Ramirez, wasn't it? And he chipped yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful chip. And then obviously we all know about Fernando Torres and what he did. But um, you know, we were yeah, yeah. yeah. was just about to say we weren't yeah. we weren't favourites anyway. And I think when we went down to ten men, you know, everyone was I remember thinking, Oh, this is it, here we go again, you know, we're not gonna do it. We're so close but so far away. Um so yeah, I remember, I remember that game being just such a monumental i wish i'd gone to that one i didn't get to go to that to that game um but yeah it would i can only imagine how the atmosphere was after the game well before and after the game as well um it would have been electrifying um another one that obviously i, I kind of st- sticks out for me and a very recent game is the um europa league final arsenal mm-hmm. um because i remember getting loads of stick before the game as you do as a Chelsea fan, you know, you, you take it. But um, the way we played that, that, that night was, was special, you know, mm-hmm. and I was made up for Olivier Giroud because I know he'd, he'd obviously got a lot of stick and obviously the stuff that he did afterwards was, was justified for that. You know, I'm sure everyone's seen the, uh, the, the team bus moments where he's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's uh, given the stick back, which rightfully so. Um, so that they're my key games. I, I always remember yeah. and also the, the Di Matteo FA Cup final goal. Um, of course, that, yeah. that was a brilliant one. Um, and an honorable shout out to Gianfranco Zola for his goal against Norwich, I think it Norwich. was back here, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, so th- th- those games I, I remember watching that one live as well. And I just I mean, we didn't have Sky Plus, then you, you couldn't rewind <laughs> stuff and watch it back, but it was just you had to sort of make sure he didn't just like you know knock it in with the side of his foot did he actually do the back heel and he did so it was like wow okay um and if you go on youtube i think he he, he visits cobham and you can he, he tries to reenact it i think it's with graham lasso as well i think because obviously he was the one who assisted him in the game but i think he he does that um so it's on youtube somewhere it must be on the chelsea channel i think so um but yeah you know they're my memorable sort of moments and games where you know i think wow we've, we've done a lot you know people say we haven't got history but we have we've got we've got history we do we, <laughs> we do a we lot do. of history but um yeah be interesting um next couple of games that we've got now uh six games left is it now six or seven i believe so yeah got some big six. some really some big fixtures in there i got leicester west ham city arsenal so yeah it's gonna be a tricky one yeah tricky but, couple of games and as i say going back to the west ham game this is why it's a must win because i think leicester will get i think all the, the teams you just mentioned i think they'll give us some some trouble um, not to say that you know, uh, West Ham can't do that, but I just think we look at these games now. Um, you know, Villa last game of the season, we watched how they played against Man City yesterday. They can cause teams trouble. I know they didn't win, but you know they they can cause problems. Um, we still have to go to the Etihad as well. So um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting season. Um, it's going to be an interesting running to the end of the season, I should say, but. As always, um, you know, you can follow us on From the Shed End. That's on Twitter and Instagram and also on YouTube. Um, And again, we always live stream. So please get involved, interact with us if you can. Um, You know, we we normally do around 12 p.m. So, you know, get involved. Give us your questions before or during the the live stream as well. We'll happily answer them or we'll get you involved in in the conversation and discussion. And um, yeah, you know, thank you for listening. I've been T Dot, and obviously, thanks Theo for joining me again. As always, um, I'm sure we'll be back. We'll be celebrating our, our victory against West Ham, and we can uh, hopefully say that we'll be back in the top four 
this time next week. Fingers crossed. Yep. Thanks for listening. <laughs>